0: Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you are bad with directions? And I'll be one of the first ones to raise my hands. You're bad with directions, okay? Right? Bad with directions. And if you are at home watching online or you're listening to this podcast going down the road, you can just give a grunt or raise a finger or whatever. You don't have to raise your hand. But, but yeah, I'm one of those guys that, you know, if it, it takes me 10 minutes sometimes to find my car in the parking lot of Walmart. You know what I'm talking about? My wife has always said she wants to get rid of me. She'll take me to a big mall, walk me around a few times, and then just leave, and leave the car, and I'll, I'll still never be able to come home so we're we're starting this new series called The Path and it's a study in proverbs and it has to do with direction if it sounds somewhat familiar it it's going to come in part I borrowed the the title from a guy by the name of Andy Stanley who if you know his father Charles Stanley he actually retired after 51 years or so in ministry this past Weekend from First Baptist Atlanta, but Andy wrote a book called the principle of the path back in 2008 So we're going to borrow some of his ideas from that because even though it was written a long time ago It has some timeless principles and some very important truths that I believe in such a time as this As people are trying to figure out what their new normal is going to be and what their life is going to look like in a few months or even a few years, these principles and these truths that we're going to be looking at are going to be very, very important. Um, Matter of fact, the path is going to help us to understand that we are all going down a path today. Okay, Everybody here, everybody's listening, everybody's watching, we're all going down the path. There's, There's a road that you are going down. The question is, is it taking you where you want to go? The road that you're on, is it taking you where you want to go? And if not, how do you get from where you are to where you want to be? And that's really what this is going to be about over these next few weeks, is how do you get from where you are to where you want to be? And we're going to be studying this book of Proverbs, this book of wisdom. As we walk down this path together, so to speak, we're going to learn these trans principles these truths and you're gonna have the opportunity over the next few weeks to make some very very important decisions about some major areas of your life And the reason why they're going to be so important is because you are going to have to live with those decisions and many of those around you for the rest of your lives now I asked you if you had trouble with directions earlier because those of you that don't have trouble with directions you don't understand those of us who do. You actually think that we get lost on purpose. Okay? And so I want us to get some fundamental understandings here about direction before we go any further. The first thing I want you to understand, the first truth about direction is this. No one gets lost on purpose. They just don't. No one gets lost on purpose. It's not like we don't pay attention. Matter of fact, we pay closer attention because we don't want to get lost, okay? Several years ago, when I was beginning to start out in my ministry, okay, I was at a pretty large church in the Memphis, Tennessee area, okay? And, uh, matter of fact, we, it was so large we had a pretty large staff, and so each person on staff had their own hospital day that they would make their hospital visits on so if you wanted the pastor, the actual pastor to visit you, you needed to make sure you were sick on Monday okay, because that's the day he visited the hospital if you were sick on any other day in the hospital you got one of us underlings okay and so I'll never forget it was the first time that I was going to make my visit to Baptist Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been to Memphis. I don't know how many of you have had the wonderful pleasure of being in the hospital at Baptist Hospital, but it is a very large hospital. I mean, there's nothing around here that even compares to it. It is a humongous hospital. and So, I pull up to this hospital and I'm kind of nervous anyway about all this and and everything, but uh, I pull up and I, I go to the parking garage and and I spent about 10 minutes climbing up and up and up in this parking garage and finally I find my first parking space and so I pull in there and I get out and I go you know what I need to kind of pay attention to where I'm at here right and so I look twelfth level section B got it twelfth level section B no problem we've got this thing so get on the elevator go down to the um, uh, guest information desk uh, and I'd walk up to the desk, find out who the patient is. Back then, they would tell you, you know, and if you just knew their nickname. Oh, yeah, Bubba, he's over at room three, oh thousands, whatever. You know, they don't tell you nothing now. You got to know their blood type and everything else to find them, okay, with all this HIPAA stuff. But anyway, they told me where they were. Well, then they proceeded to tell me you need to go down a couple of corridors. You need to take a right, and then you need to go down a couple more. Go through the double door, swing left, go by the coat machine, and then get on the elevator. Come on, I mean, for real, I mean, if, if it's that much, write it down, but no, didn't write it down. So I get into about a first couple of turns, and so I asked somebody else that has on an outfit, you know, that kind of are distinct in hospitals, you can kind of tell who's who, you know. And uh, so I said, hey, can you help me? And they'd help me, and then I had to ask three or four more people. Finally, I get to the room, I make the visit with the patient, we had prayer, everything's good, I go leave, I, find, I follow the signs that say parking garage, right? All right, I get on the elevator, I go to the parking garage, I get out, I get on another elevator, I go to the, the 12th level, I get off, I go to, it says it right there on the wall, 12th level, section B. I begin looking for my car. It is nowhere to be found. All right. I mean, I'm looking for 10 minutes. It, it's got to be here. I go back and look again. 12th level, section B, it's right there. I'm looking for my car everywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to think at this point, I'm not lost. Somebody has stolen my car, okay? But then I keep looking, I keep looking, I'm going back and forth, and then I get this distinct feeling inside, maybe I am lost here, because I cannot find my car. So I head back toward the building part of it, and I find another one of those distinctly dressed people, and I say, listen, I just want to make sure I've got this right, and I'm looking at this sign, it's right there in front of both of us. I'm on the 12th level, section B. Right? And she said, absolutely. But we have three parking garages. Which one did you park in? I go, what? And I knew it was going to be a bad day when the second garage I went to was not the right one either. Okay? It took getting to three garage levels before I found my car. I knew nobody stole it. You know, it was a clunker. All right? But I was so proud to see it. I was excited. Can I just tell you something this morning, a very important truth? People don't get lost on purpose. I mean, most people just like me, they really want to get to where they're trying to get to. But people don't get lost on purpose. But the road that you are on determines where you'll end up. you get that? The road that you're on will determine where you end up. If I'm in the wrong parking garage, I'm never going to get to my car. Well, there's a second truth I want you to understand today about direction is you don't know that you're lost when you're getting lost. Okay? You don't know you're lost when you're getting lost. Now, once again, I'm at a church in Tennessee. This is why I had to leave Tennessee and come to Georgia, okay? Uh, I I was at a church in Tennessee. Several of my youth had graduated and uh, were now freshmen at the University of Tennessee. All right? Go Rocky Top, right, and and so they called me up the week of the Alabama-Tennessee game. They said, "Hey, man, would you like to come to the Alabama-Tennessee game?" And I said, why sure, I would." They said, "Well," I said, "How much ticket gonna cost?" They said, "Oh, it's free. It's in the student section at Tennessee." And I said, "Well, you know, free game. You know, it's, it's all good. You know, I can handle this." And so. I get up early that Saturday morning, I drive to Knoxville, Tennessee. I go to the main commons area of the campus because that was the easiest place to meet up with these guys, right? We meet at the commons area, but I don't have a parking decal on my car, all right? And so I know they're going to tow it, you know, on game day if you park in the wrong place. So they suggested that we go around by the stadium somewhere and park on one of the side roads. I said, That's good, we can do that. So, sure enough, I drive on around, they follow me around. I find a side road, I park on it, and get in the car with them. We don't go back to the commons, okay? We go back to their dorm where we're kind of hanging out, waiting on the game to start. So, I've already been to my third location in this general vicinity by now, all right? Yes, there is a pattern beginning to develop here, as you can see, all right, with this parking situation. So, we go to the game. I put up with all the stuff in the student section because we win like usual All right, have to go with that and um, and so because we won all the guys don't want to be seen with me because I have my decor on okay and I have much more decor on than I have on this morning but I have on my decor and uh, they said you know what your cars about over right over that way somewhere. when they pointed across the other side of the stadium all the way across on the other side they said it's over there somewhere I said no problem I'll find my car big boy so anyway they head on I head on I'm walking around looking for my car for over an hour I've already been tried to be run over by several Tennessee fans all right I'm at the point now where I've had to take my shirt off and put it on reverse just so I don't get killed alright I literally am spending two hours trying to find my car okay it's starting to get dark I don't know this neighborhood but it ain't looking good alright nothing looks familiar nothing, nothing looks like it did when we parked my car there I cannot find my car and then I'm just about the point where I'm realizing hey I think I might be lost okay and then I'm at the point where I'm about ready to head back all the way across, way past the stadium to find the main campus and to find the dorm where those guys we started from to go to the stadium to the game where they might be and they might could tell me where I parked my car when I look down the road as I'm starting to walk back toward all of that I look down the road and there's this long car sitting by itself on the side of the road. Because, I mean, everybody else gone going home three hours ago. And there my car was. And I was so happy to see it. But you don't know that you are lost when you're getting lost. I mean, there's not like that certain point in time where I could go and I could say, Oh, you know what? You know what? Right here, I got lost. And so if I will just back up 100 feet, I, I won't be lost anymore. I'll be found. All right. I wish it were that easy, but it's not that way. You don't know that you're lost when you're getting lost. By the time you realize you're lost, you've been lost for a long time. You really have no idea when it happened, just that it was a long time before you knew it. So you don't, get lo- you don't know that you're lost when you're getting lost, but whatever road that you're on determines where you'll end up. You see, I was on the wrong road the whole time I was looking for my car. That's why I didn't find it. And so in this series called The Path, it's going to help us to understand that the path that you are on right now, the the current direction that you are going in your life will eventually lead you somewhere. And you're going, duh, I got up for that. But think about it the direction you are currently going will eventually lead you somewhere but here's the point I don't want you to miss far too often the path that we are currently on ends up leading us somewhere that we didn't intend to go and that's the problem the path that we're currently on ends up leading us somewhere we didn't intend to go you see there is this super thin line between getting lost and being lost super thin between getting lost and being lost I mean no one intentionally ends up in financial ruin no one intentionally ends up with a failed marriage no one intentionally ends up with rebellious kids or growing up to hate your parents no one intentionally ends up living a miserable life but Andy's book and our own life uh, experiences teach us that the road that we are on determines where we end up and it's so obvious when it comes to driving or when it comes to geography isn't it but life is a little bit difficult right it, it, I mean for real you you take all your beach gear all right you take all your bathing suits and you get all your beach umbrellas and you Beach toys and your little buckets and shovels and all that kind of stuff, and your sunscreen and and all that kind of stuff. And you pack it all up and you load it up in your car and you get out on the road and you hit up I 95 North. You are never going to get to Florida. Can I just tell you that? All right? The road that you're on determines where. you end up. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager driving the first time or you're a grown adult that's very experienced at driving. You get on I-95 North, you're not going to end up in Florida. all right? It doesn't matter if you're a Baptist or a Catholic or something else. It doesn't matter if you prayed for traveling mercies before you left or whether you just got in a car and took off. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're saved or whether you're not saved. You get on I-95 North, you're not going to end up in Florida. The road you're on determines where you'll end up. So again, it's very clear in this area of our life, especially like directions and stuff, if you intended to go to Florida, but you ended up in New York or maybe even Canada, depending on when you realized you were headed in the wrong direction. See, there's this huge disconnect when it comes to the important areas of our life, and that's why this path, that we're talking about is going to teach us a very important principle, and that is this. Your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Let me say it again. Your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. That principle will apply to all areas of our life, not just your spiritual life. It applies to your finances. Every single person in this room today, you are on some sort of financial path. It applies to marriage today. If you're married, you're on some kind of path with your marriage. It applies to dating, whether you're just now beginning the dating scene or maybe you were married for a long time and you're getting back into the dating scene and you're trying to figure out what to put on your profile, what to leave off, right? You're on some sort of path if you're dating. It's the same way when it comes to our profession or career. That's why they call it a career Path, right? It's the same way when it comes to our health and our physical well being. Like it or not, you are on some sort of physical fitness path right now, today. And where you go to lunch has a lot to do with where that leads you, okay? And of course, the most important path that we could ever be on is our spiritual path, right? As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, that there's two paths that a person in this world can take. It says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway or path to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road or the path is difficult, and only a few ever find it. So there's these two paths, one path that leads to eternal life with God, and one path that leads to eternal life separated from God. But the road you're on, not your intention, determines your destination. So how do you get to where you want to be with these biggest areas of your life? It begins by understanding that your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Is it not true that you can have the best intentions in the world and end up in the worst of situations? Maybe you've been there, or maybe you know at least somebody has, but you know, you could be the smartest person in the world. You could be the best looking person in the world. You could be the biggest, the strongest person in the world. You could be the most loved by mama, the most money left in your will by your daddy. You could be the most, uh, you know, the one that has the most thought out plans of anyone around you. You can be the most strong-willed and the most determined person on this planet. But your direction, not your intention, that is not your strengths, not your weaknesses, not your hopes or your dreams, determine your destination. There's nothing wrong with any of those. It's just that intentions don't make the difference. It's your direction, not your intention, that determines your direction, your destination. I'm sorry. Look in Proverbs chapter 7. With me, Proverbs chapter 7. Solomon, wisest man in the world, is about to demonstrate this principle for us today. And as this story opens up in Proverbs 7, King Solomon is actually standing up on an upper level and he's looking out from his window down onto a street. And so he's got a clear view about what's about to happen. Plus, he has all the wisdom of his many years of experience. To go along with what he's about to describe with us. Let's look at it beginning in verse six. It says, While I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men. That is, naive means that they were innocent because of their lack of wisdom, okay? I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. In other words, he particularly stood out in the crowd due to his lack of wisdom so right off the bat we're pretty certain something is about to go down because basically he saying that in this crowd of young men there's at least one guy here that ain't got even walking around since okay something's going down verse 8 he was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman strolling down the path by her house it was at twilight in the evening as dark deep darkness now you don't have to be a Bible scholar to see what's fixing to happen right okay he's headed in the direction of a specific woman's house the Bible says she's an immoral woman we know later on we find out he knows that she's a married woman he knows that every time her husband leaves home she goes out on the prowl and this is exactly what she's doing on this night now Solomon's looking down, watching this young man he sees that he's headed down this path and that this path is leading him to this woman's House, but this young man he does not plan on messing his life up this night, right? That's not his plan. He's not even sure when he got started down this path because he's no longer with the group of guys, he's by himself now. He don't even know when all this started. Matter of fact, it's in his mind a whole different scenario than what Solomon is seeing. What this young man is seeing in his mind is a very exciting night a night of passion, a night of fun. And the most obvious notion that's going through his head is that this one night of fun and excitement, it is totally disconnected from every other area of my life. Totally disconnected. But see, Solomon knew better. He knew that this night was not an isolated event that would be disconnected from all other events, but that indeed this night was a step down a path. This night was a step. It was the beginning of a step down a path, a path like all paths that leads somewhere. Remember our principle? And so this particular path has a very predictable destination. You don't have to be the wisest person in the room to get that. You know, it's funny how we see it so clearly with other people's lives, but we are oblivious to it when it comes to our own sometimes, right? So our story continues, verse 10. The woman approached him seductively dressed and sly of heart she was the brash rebellious type never content to stay at home she is often in the streets and markets soliciting at every corner she threw her arms around him and kissed him and with a brazen look she said I've just made my peace offering and fulfilled my vows you're the one I was looking for I came out to find you and here you are So this guy's kinda young, maybe he's a little timid, he's a little shy she goes out and approaches him and can I just remind you something my mom and daddy taught me early on you know if you're looking for trouble you don't have to look very far it will find you and that's exactly what happened, the bible says that she was dressed for the part, can I just say and move on, that what you wear matters she was rebellious Never content to stay at home. Otherwise, this is not her first rodeo. I mean, every time her husband leaves town, she is out on the prowl looking for somebody to hook up with and have a good time with. And this guy, this young guy, he thinks he is the celebrity of the entire universe. He thinks this is the only one she's ever wanted. But King Solomon has watched many men walk down that path. He's seen many others go down this same path before there's no social distancing signs around so she puts the full embrace on him I mean she puts the full hug on him and she lays a big kiss on him the Bible says and then it says that she looks at him and begins to speak to him with this brazen look on her face and I go I don't know what that means exactly so I googled it All right, brazen means that she looked at him without any shame at all she had no Care or concern for what the consequences for either one of them was. She just didn't care. Matter of fact, she goes on to tell of her life in a nutshell in the next few verses. They don't really mean much to us when she talks about peace offering and, and making these vows and stuff. But let me explain it to you. When she says, "I have peace offerings that I've already made." What she is saying is, I have plenty of money. I don't do what I do every time my husband leaves town for money. I have plenty of money. I am just a rebellious woman who likes to go on the prowl. I like this lifestyle. That's what that meant. And then when she said that she had fulfilled her vows, she meant that she had gone to church that day. She had got on her Jehovah thing. And she had a clear conscience. She had done the church deal, and she was ready to go out and fill up her sin bucket again. You know, just go church, empty it out. Go out in the world, fill it up again. Go church, empty it out. Come back, fill it up again. You know, that's what's going on in her life. If this were a reality show, it'd be called The Real Housewives. If I can't say this on television or at church, okay? So I don't know what it'd be, but it wouldn't be pretty. Goes on, verse sixteen. She says to him, to this young guy okay guys close your ears, young guys. The other guy's going, yeah. Verse 16, my bed is spread with beautiful blankets, with colored sheets of Egyptian linen, otherwise she ain't got on her everyday sheets. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. For my husband is not home. He's away on a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him and won't return until later this month. I mean, you gotta imagine what's going through this young guy's mind. This is gonna be better than he thought it was. Not only is he gonna have a mind-blowing night, but he ain't gotta worry about this guy coming home and catching them in the act of adultery. Because you remember what the punishment was back in this day and time for getting caught in adultery. Both the man and the woman caught would be stoned to death. But you know what? They're not thinking about that, are they? No, they're both thinking. Their intentions are, we're gonna have the greatest night of our life. And at this event... This one night of fun and passion will be completely disconnected from every other area of my life. But again, Solomon knows better. Verse 21. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a staggered deer caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Solomon is saying this young kid is headed down a path. Now he thinks it's a path that's to real life. You know, a life of fun and passion. But Solomon says, you know, you're you're actually headed to the slaughter. You're fixing to get killed. You're fixing to be like a deer that gets caught in a trap and then just shot with arrows until it's dead. You're like this bird that's been lured in by food and then it's trapped and it doesn't even know it is about to die. And then Solomon turns from speaking about this young man's path and the direction he's going down. And then he begins to speak to me and to you directly this morning. Look at it verse 24. He says, so listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. If you've gone to sleep, wake up. Don't let your hearts stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. Solomon saying, hey, man, wake up and smell the coffee today. Your intentions don't matter. Matter of fact, your intentions is what puts you on this path to start with. Don't go down this path. And here's the phrase he uses that we saw earlier. He said, not just a few, but many have gone down this path. And it always leads to the same place. I've watched it before. Everybody goes down this path thinking it's going to lead them somewhere else, but it leads them to the same place every time, and that's to death and destruction. It's so clear to see from up above looking down, right? Just another young fool who chose a path, that in the end would take him somewhere that he didn't plan to go and somewhere that he didn't want to go there's this huge disconnect so stay with me here we're we're about to wind this thing up for this morning but this huge disconnect we've got to pay attention to it because this is where it affects us today see this young man wanted to have a rich and fulfilling relationship right but he chose a path that ultimately destroyed all of his relationships See the disconnect? This young man yearned for something that he thought would be good, but he chose a path that ended up being something very bad. This young man who was striving for his independence actually chose a path that cost him all of his independence. There's this huge Disconnect, and I think we'd be foolish if we were here today to think that there's not some kind of disconnect in our own life. Because wouldn't we all agree that we all have this propensity or this leaning toward going down the wrong path? Don't we? We all have the propensity for choosing paths that lead us to places that we don't want to go. Now, some of you are on a path like that today. And you didn't even know it. You didn't plan it. You didn't even realize it to just a few minutes ago. Matter of fact, you're thinking back now, I don't even know when I got on this path. So, in the next few weeks, I'm going to try to give you my take, at least, on what causes this disconnect and some of the decisions that you're going to need to make to get going in a different direction if you want things to change. But to conclude things today, to wrap things up, I just want you to think about how this. Plays out in our world, or maybe how it's playing out in your world right now. Okay? Go something like this. Maybe you're a single woman, you say, You know, I want to meet and one day eventually marry a great Christian guy who's really got his act together. But then while you're dating, you actually go out on dates with every single guy that asks you out, no matter what they believe or how they act. A single woman says, or a married woman says, you know, I want to have a great relationship with my husband. But then all she does is focuses 100% of her attention on the kids. A husband says, you know, I want my kids to respect me when they grow up, but then he flirts with every woman around other than their mom. How does this play out? A young Christian says, you know, I want to develop a long and lasting, deep intimate relationship with Jesus but every morning they get up and they spend an hour on Instagram and snapchat and whatever and then they rush out to get to work and they never open the Word of God a working man says I want to grow old and invest the latter years of my life with my grandchildren but then they neglect their health or some guy you know he he's wants to get thin he wants to get in better shape but every time he goes through the drive through and they're asking small medium large he says supersize it disconnect a couple says you know we'd like our children to develop a personal relationship with God and not only that we'd like for them to have friends that do that same kind of same thing but then every weekend they spend away from church out at a ball field or the beach disconnect nearly newlyweds determined they want to be financially secure by the time they reach their parents age but then they live a lifestyle that's based and built on nothing but thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of debt that they can't afford a high school freshman intends to play college sports and graduate with a GPA that allow them to choose the school that they want to go do that with but then they never spend any time during the high school years, studying to pass the test. I mean, the list could go on and on. And you know, the, this list that I've given actually represents a lot of legitimate goals, right? I mean, a lot, lot of those things we really want. And oftentimes, we have good intentions on reaching them. But like that naive young man in Solomon's story, the paths that are chosen eventually take people to a destination that was entirely different. From what they intended, there's a huge disconnect because your direction, not your intentions, lead you to your destination. So, I want to challenge you to do two things this week. Number one, I want you to read a chapter a day in the book of Proverbs. Remember, just go by whatever day it is. Today's 27, read Proverbs 27, tomorrow read 28. When you get to day 30, you're going to have to read two of them, right? Second of all, I want to encourage you to find a small group to get in so that you can start to talk about this with people many of our groups have started back many of them are coming back on campus some of them are meeting in homes get in a small group where you can talk about this and have someone to hold you accountable and as you do that I want you to ask yourself three questions this week okay here they are I know you're getting ready to write them down right because you you've got such an, uh, a great memory right Listen, a short pencil is better than a long memory don't ever forget that alright write these down where are the disconnects in your life where are they I gave you a bunch of them maybe some of them fit you but where are your disconnects in your own life is what you desire in your heart and what you are doing with your life actually connected that is do I really want to go where God wants me to go and then the last one are your intentions in line with your your direction that is is the path that you're going down right now is it going to take you where you want to end up if not how do you get from where you are to where you want to be let's pray God we are so grateful today for your wisdom and this principle that we have talked about today because there is no doubt about it whatsoever that the direction that we're heading in our life right now is determining where we're gonna end up. It's gonna determine our destination. And so, Father, we pray today that we would be honest enough to look into our life and to ask ourselves these important, important questions. God, because none of us plan on getting lost, none of us even realize when we are getting lost, but many of us find ourselves today listening to this message going, you know what? There's a lot in my life where I'm pretty lost. Some of you today may say that you're lost spiritually. You don't know Jesus. You don't know God. Maybe you've been listening. You've been trying to check things out. Can I just invite you this morning to say a prayer and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come into your heart and to save you. That's how simple it is. That begins your walk down a path with a relationship with God. I invite you to start walking that road today. Others, you've already asked Christ into your heart, but there's areas of your life where you've chosen your own direction rather than to see what God wanted you to do. And you realize that today. You don't know where you got off track. Listen, it's okay. Don't worry about where you got off. Just try to figure out where you get back on. And Right here is where you get back on. You say, God, help me to get back on the path that you want for my life. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to end up where you want me to end up. So God, I commit my life 100% to you today. Make that your prayer. Would you do that? So Father, that is our prayer today. That we would be exactly where you would have us to be, in the center of your will, following your desires, going the direction in our life you want us to go so that we'll end up where you want us to to be. And we ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people together said. We hope you are encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.